Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Pirie and Elizabeth Zhovkova. Today, together with my co-host, founder of art charity Migrate Art, Simon Butler, we are meeting a Myanmar-born artist who calls himself Bart Was Not Here to discover his artistic journey from being introduced to graffiti to being forced to leave the country due to Myanmar's ongoing crisis, as Bart shares with us the harsh reality of Myanmar, the escapism and dry humor embedded in his work, and the misrepresentation of Burmese culture globally. Hello everyone, welcome to Zeitgeist 19. Uh, my co-host today is Simon Butler. It is such a pleasure to have you back here, Simon. Always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and our guest speaker today, an artist from Myanmar, Bart was not here. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Uh, my first question to you is why Bart was not here and why street art as a medium for expression? Uh, why Bart was not here? So. Uh, I grew up just like other kids who grew up during the 2000s, right? Uh, Pokemon and, you know, video games and uh, video rentals, books, uh, book rentals and stuff. Especially in Yangon, uh, video rentals was a big thing. It's, it's like a cultural hub where people come to hang out and, you know, uh, it's, it's like a pastime. We didn't really have much and we didn't have like enough electricity. We only had like three or four hours of electricity during a day. So you do everything like you watch TV or you, you want to play game, you wait for those four hours. And then most of the time you're just out on the street or you're just sitting and doing nothing. And uh, that that's kind of my childhood. And the school part was mostly me trying to escape in the classroom, like like uh, trying to turn off my brain and disappearing into a drawing book because most of it, in my school in particular, the teachers are bullies. So the teachers are like wives of soldiers. So if you rank up in the military, you get some privileges and you put you either put your sisters or your wives or your like older daughters in the school and they get, you know, their salaries and stuff like that. They have trainings, but they are usually treating kids like uh, people treat their uh, trainees in the military. It's, it's pretty harsh. But uh, so... Uh, back to the reason of my name. I'm always, uh, I'm always turning to escapism every time I want to distract myself or just shut shut myself out of everything. And uh, when I discovered graffiti, I started choosing names and. When you do graffiti, you gotta do it fast, and it, the letters have to flow, and it had to look nice. So uh, I was trying to find like four alphabet, five alphabet names, and at that moment, I was watching a lot of Simpsons and learning English through the Simpsons. So it's like a 
great alchemy of like me turning to escapism and entertainment and pop culture and graffiti and all of it you know um you previously said um that Myanmar hasn't really been accurately uh, represented in painting before um, and I just wanted to see if you could tell us more about the Burmese culture from your point of view and through your eyes uh, I think uh, seeing through my lens is a little bit different from you know what you get from talking to a normal Burmese like uh, someone who's older than me or like a Buddhist Burmese person because I I was uh, a descendant of a Muslim parents. I, I, I don't believe in the religion, but it, you, you can't run away from race, right? And my, my upbringing was a little bit different from a normal Burmese person. But uh, the way I saw Burma was like, we were this group of underdogs that like, if there's something we have to fight against, we will unite like so quickly but other times we're just fighting each other <laughs> and uh, I think to capture Burma in art is like so nuanced so it's not just one artwork it has to be like a collection of hundreds of works or it's not just art it has to be like music and poetry and film but uh, me what I usually capture in my paintings are the humor of Burmese people and this attitude that like, you know, when this, your favorite musician is like one hit away from getting famous and you just want to champion it so hard and like you want him to win. That, that's my, uh, that, that's my attitude towards this, Burmese thing because I want Burma to succeed so bad even though it's like shitty and it's mean and stuff but it, it's like one hit away from breaking it really big and in terms of humor I, I like capturing Burmese humor and like this wit in my artworks because we only have jokes to uh make light of things because the, the situation is so bad it, like the hunger problem is still there and it, i've been alive for like 25 years and people are still hungry and you know the kids are still on the street panhandling so sometimes just gotta make jokes and cope with it so you uh, you just mentioned humor uh, but also in one of your interviews you were saying that um, your work has a sort of uh, conflict. Each image has a, a conflict embedded in it. Can you please expand on that as well? Uh, that's a part of humor as well. Like when you actually think about conflict, like uh, well, I grew up on hip hop music. So it was like at least four people dying in every song. So it it got, it became sort of a caricature and it's not serious anymore, even though it's serious, like actual bodies dropping and people dying. We just uh, see this conflict and tension as something that we can get punchlines out of or memes out of, or, you know, it's, it's, it's really serious. It's 
deadly. But on the other hand, the people we were fighting or the system, even when the civilian government was in power, they were doing stupid stuff. So everything is stupid and everything is laughable. You you just uh, started you you just started making uh, your own narrative, and you just see them as like reality TV character, the, the trashy reality TV characters, and you just start assigning the things you want to their characters. Sometimes they they surprise you by being stupider than you thought. Like more stupid than you thought, but it's a whole nother story. Um, so obviously, I think we all know there's been a for the past six months there's been quite a crisis in Myanmar, um, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact you have very strong opinions about it. Um, and do you think being an artist makes you kind of responsible, uh, socially responsible, to make a change? Uh, I feel like I. I feel responsible not because of my job, like not because I'm an artist. I I actually thought like speaking up and speaking out was the way to back in February as well. Like we were protesting and marching and all that. And I thought that was the answer, but it was not. Unfortunately, uh, these military people has dragged us down to their levels that like, because they only understand the language of fear and they only understand when they were taught to hurt people and they only understood the language of hurting someone. So now we have to respond by hurting them. And it's really sad that it has to come to this uh, conclusion, but I don't think there's any other choice. So there's going to be a defensive war. Hopefully we will win because uh, the people we're fighting are like baby boomers and they they are really out of touch. Like they, they don't know anything about technology. Their propaganda is like 15 years late. And the only thing they can use to manipulate people is religion. That's what I always use in my artwork as well because Burma is like really religious country and it's you can even say like it's brainwashed with a twisted uh, a twisted version of Buddhism so uh, the we have like superstar monks like you know in America you have superstar preachers so these monks they preach uh, anti-Muslim hatred and all sorts of stupid things where they are validating, uh, rationalizing the, the acts of the military. And they are saying like, the military may hurt people, but they build a lot of pagodas, so they will go to heaven, you know? That sort of thing. So I think hopefully we, we will win this time and there's no other way to uh go through it other than you know fighting them head on um obviously you were forced to leave your home forced to leave yangon and you're now living in paris um what was it that took you to paris um is that a long-term plan and what do you sort of see for your future where is your future heading uh paris was not a plan at all uh i was supposed to leave 
Burma in 2020 and COVID got in the way. I was supposed to leave because I wanted to uh, work outside and maybe go, go back to school, get, get an MFA or something. I don't know. Uh, my sister is still in school, so I was interested in her school and I was going to go see, you know, what I can do over there. But COVID got in the way, so I sat down and I was in my studio for a year. And then uh, things opened up a bit for a month in January, and then they staged it to on 1st of February. Uh, I left because uh, there, were, there were three incidents. The first one was uh, uh, my mom's car was parked outside her house. She was not in it, it was night. And the soldiers just came in and shot everything up randomly and uh, a bullet hit my mom's car. The bullet is still inside the car. So I saw it and I was like, maybe I should leave. It's not a good place for me to make art in. <laughs> I was not making anything except protest art at that time. And I don't even like making protest art. It was just a reaction to an event. I, I want to do my own thing. I want to do my own art, but it was necessary for me to make protest art and give it away or sell it and raise funds and donate all of that. And that was, that was like the first red flag. And then the second time I was in my room. So uh, my room is, we, we have like a three-story building and my parents stay upstairs. I, I live in the middle floor and uh, my room light was on after 8 p.m. And I didn't know I was supposed to turn my light off. It was my room. I was just, you know, the lights were on. I was reading something and then I heard my windows break because they shot some stuff into my room. I don't think it was bullets. I think it was slingshots. They threw rocks at my window. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I I didn't notice that the whole street was pitch black, like every, everything was turned off until they sh shot into my room and I stepped out and saw like the whole street was dark, so I turned my life off, lights off really fast. And then I was, I was doing some like beauty stuff that I can mention, so I thought like even if they don't know and they, they are just doing things randomly right now. At some point, they're gonna come to my doorstep and start, you know, taking me away or you know, harm my parents or something. So, um, I I had a fundraiser at Institut Français and I met some people and they helped me out and I'm in Paris, but. Uh, the reason I came to Paris is not to escape. I just started selling more of my stuff and I'm doing things that I never thought I would have done that I cannot mention on record. And uh, I'm raising so much money for my brothers and sisters in arm. And it, it's been better than me, me just Thing in my artist blog in Yangon, sitting down, you know, scared to go outside or, you know, sneaking out a gun or something. It's all crazy. 
And more specifically, what would you plan for your artwork as well? For my works, I I have this uh, I have this series called it, it's a rough name. It's not like a confirmed name. It's called Hallowed Ground. Uh, it's it's world building. So I'm creating my own characters. I'm creating my own scenery, own props and stuff like that. But each thing has its own like little stories. And I'm trying to see how they interact. And that's what I really like. And that's what I want to work on. And that's what I've been working on since I started taking painting seriously. Because uh, I read a lot of fiction and I love things like Monty Python and uh, I love Neil Gaiman books and I love uh, David Lynch, like I love Twin Peaks and stuff like that. So characters always intrigue me and I love creating characters and I love creating looks for characters and stuff like that. And I love putting characters in like odd spaces. So that, that's what I want to do. And I think I'm just going to be incorporating a little bit of Burmese here and there, especially the humor and the, the this underdog attitude, I guess. One, one more question I'll add quickly. Um, <laughs> Paris has kind of adopted you quite well and you've got some work outside the Louvre at the moment. I was just wondering how that happened. Uh, we did this show called Fighting Fear in Australia uh, with 16 Albemarle Project. And uh, it, it, it got like really great publicity and it became a thing. And people in different countries started contacting them and like asking for this whole package of sorry sorry posters and prints to like a, do a tour I guess you know uh, exhibiting in different countries and now finally here I think they're doing the opening on 18th probably Saturday and they're doing like a mini protest in front of the Louvre. I think it's pretty good. It's it's more of a protest art thing. It's it's not my art. It's more Burmese art, I guess. But it's it's cool. Yeah. Guys, before we wrap up, I have another quick question to both of you, actually. Simon, you worked with Bart previously during your project called uh, Raising for Myanmar, uh, producing a series of protest posters to raise funds for the um, uh, victims of uh, military coup. Can you tell us more about the project and how did you guys end up working together? Um, so my oldest friend, I've known him for 20, I don't know, 22 years, um, this guy called Ben who lives in Yangon. He works for a, an NGO out there. Um, and I visited in 2019 and he showed me around the country and I had an amazing time. So I kind of had, felt I had an affinity to um, the country in some way. And then when I saw what was happening with the military coup, and obviously my friend was there, so he was sort of texting me and he would go, he'd disappear for a couple of days with the internet blackouts. And it was, all, it was quite a worrying time for everyone back home because no one really knew what was happening. Um, and then I just had this idea to do a fundraiser for it. So we reached out to lots of the artists we've worked with in the past. Um, 
and no, everyone said yes straight away, which hasn't really happened before. Everyone was really keen to help. And then we always try and work with artists um, from that country or that city or wherever it may be, because we don't want it to just be Western artists without a sort of understanding or a, a sensitivity to the actual situation. So I spoke to Ben um, and asked him if he knew any artists that would be suitable. And he was friends with Bart um, and he put us in touch and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny because we have never met in person, but it's, I think, I don't know what it is about this kind of work and when art is used for a more powerful thing, you just connect with people quite well. And I think um, yeah. I'm excited to meet you. And um, <laughs> I think we've been, we've been chatting on text and stuff and it feels like we've known each other longer than just yeah. text messages and emails. Pro- probably more so because the, the artists I grew up looking at like D-Face and Obey are his friends. And I'm like, uh, I'm like a fanboy. And he's talking about these guys like, yeah, they're my friend. So that's it. We both sort of came up into art through graffiti and street art. So that was kind of yeah. a mutual love, yeah. I suppose. Um, it, and you're a bit younger than me, but we're, we're not too similar, dissimilar in age. So Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like in, in Yangon, there's no, I mean, there there are galleries, but my parents my parents never went to art gallery they're too busy making money you know to survive so like my dad doesn't even listen to music so i did all of that stuff i watch movies i listen to music and i've never they never took me to an art gallery before so the, the only entryway into art was like seeing graffiti on the walls and i was one of the the earliest batch who started using internet I started using internet at fourth grade and it was like dial-up modem internet. And it's, it's like really ancient technology. And uh, I started looking up stuff around seventh grade and I discovered graffiti and there, there's a real graffiti scene in Burma. It's, it's really small. It's like 15 people. And I started connecting through them to forums and stuff. and before I knew who uh, who Bosch was or who Dali was, I knew D-Face and, you know, uh, Coke 2 and MSK and all that. So they, they, those guys came first before anything. So I'll, I'll always have love for them. I think we're similar in that way. I went to a Banksy show before I knew who Jeff, Jeff Koons was. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay guys uh it was a lovely chat thank you so much again good stuff hope to see you back on zeitgeist 19 sometime soon yeah i'd love to be on the show again thank you